You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Thanks for listening. It's Thursday, October the 7th, coming to you today from Lexington, Kentucky, where I'll be for the next eight days to cover four days of the prestigious Fall Stars meet for NBC Sports Network. That begins tomorrow, Friday. And on Saturday, I'm sure you'll all be interested to know that Order of Australia, the reigning Breeders' Cup mile hero, makes his American return in the Keeneland Mile worth a million dollars here. So looking forward to that, looking forward to all the racing here. But we will start with matters closer to home uh, and the news that Torquato Tass so we'll stay in training uh, in a bid for a repeat arc in welcome contrast to what was suggested here in the immediate aftermath of the race. David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, is with me this morning. Dave, what's your reaction to that news, first of all? Well, I'm delighted because after initially looking at my race card in the paddock at Longchamp on Sunday and saying, who was that one? And finding out that it was indeed Torquato Tasso, the race has triggered lots of theories, hasn't it, as to how the result came about, uh, I read with interest James Willoughby's piece that uh, Torquato Tasso was better than we thought and that the rivals that he beat weren't as good as uh, we thought. There have been various people on Twitter telling us that the Hoppergarten form was uh, underestimated all along. I think that most of us thought the, the ground would be right up Torquato Tasso's street, that but that he wouldn't be good enough to deal with uh, the best horses from Britain and Ireland. And obviously, in the end, that theory was proved to be wide of the mark. But what this does give us uh, for 2022 is the opportunity to see which of those theories is right. He's a 10 to 1 shot for the Prix de la Triomphe uh, for 2022, which obviously the market is dominated by older horses because we don't know what the three year olds are yet. But we will find out, won't we? We will find out next year. It would be great if Torquato Tasso were to roll the dice in a race like the King George. Obviously, we're going to see him on quicker ground, or one would imagine that we're going to see him on, on quicker ground next year. We'll see what Paris is like on the first Sunday of October, assuming it is still the first Sunday of October. And all our questions will be answered. So it, it was a... It, it was a, a I enjoyed the race I, I enjoyed the aftermath i thought it was a very interesting result and i enjoyed reporting on it whether it was a, a, a result that was just induced by soft very soft ground i think not heavy but certainly very soft ground or whether Torquato tasso is indeed the champion of europe well we will find out next year Yesterday on this podcast, Tom and Rishi talked a little bit about Olivier Delois, the chief executive of France Gallo's suggestion that the arc could be moved back a week. It was just a, a suggestion, but it, it hasn't been completely dismissed by counterparts this side of the channel. Nick Smith, the racing director at Ascot, has said, yeah, that might not be a bad thing for, for British Champions Day, uh, stopping short of saying that British Champions Day would, would then move. Uh, Dave, What's your view on this? My view on this is what's gotten into people. Um, earlier this year, we had suggestions from various 
racing luminaries that the derby should move to July, thereby completely changing its character, whereby at the start of June we are learning about these these relatively nascent uh, three-year-old cults. And now Olivier Delois is mooting the idea that the art could move. And, and I think that this is purely borne out by the fact that maybe they got a result that they weren't expecting and possibly that they didn't want. But I don't see... Uh, the system as it is works extremely well. Yes, we've had the last three arcs have been run on soft or heavy ground. That is true. But if you look before those, and, and you and I did this uh, before uh, we came on air, looking through the arcs this century, then most of them are run on either fast or good, good to soft ground. There are, there are a few of them that have been run on uh, under the conditions that we've had the last three years. Well, it is uh, my own personal view, and I'm in no way a climate change denier, is that I think it's jumping the gun to suggest that uh, climate change is, is to blame for the changing conditions the last three years. And my, my view is that things should be left where they are. I, I, would, I would borrow here, Nick, if I could, from, from Harry Enfield's Frank Doberman. And I would say of uh, Olivier Delois, you are an accessible and visible leader of French racing, an impressive figure who is as eloquent in his second language as many British racing politicians are in their first. But if you start meddling with an international patent system that has worked for decades, removing one voussoir so that the whole arts comes crashing down to the ground, I would say, Oi, Delois, no! I don't really know how to follow that, um, except to say that what this has done is prompt talk of, oh, well, if the arc moved, then Champions Day could move. And we'd all be happy with that because obviously you're not then deep into October and so on. And I get the argument for that. The problem with that, Dave, of course, uh, is that you then throw the whole two-year-old pattern out of kilter, which was one of the issues that they had in the first place when they started devising Champions Day. But this is the issue, isn't it? I mean, that the comedic aspect of Frank Doberman, Frank Doberman aside, that if you do remove one of the stones from the arch, the others are displaced. And it's a system that works very well. It's not a perfect system, but we don't live in a perfect world. And of course, we will have soft and heavy ground arcs in the future. And we know that Kipco British Champions Day has that site 13 days after the arc where statistically we know that soft ground is more likely now the, the, the Ascot's response to it was well yes it would be interesting because there would be more time for horses from the arc to run on Kipco British Champions Day that's a possibility or maybe they're thinking well we wouldn't mind going a week earlier either but as you say that that throws the whole system up in the air. I think it's a system that works well. We had this thing with Champions Day a few years ago when John Gosden, I think, did a piece with the late Alan Lee in the Times talking about leaving the European pattern. And in fact, I mean, he, he, was, he was taken apart by Lydia on uh, Racing UK, as it was then, a few days later in the paddock at Newmarket. It, it's a system that, that works 
it's the least worst system uh, that we can hope for. And my view, as I've expressed, is to leave it exactly as it is. Oh, we're a long way out, but it's worth just uh, finding out how the ground is doing at Ascot. It was very wet there last weekend. We've obviously got a little while till till British Champions Day. Chris Tickles is the clerk of the course and is on the line now. Chris, thanks for chatting to me. I know you're busy this morning. Um, what's the what's the stage of play at the moment? Well, currently we're soft. Um, uh, we have uh, actually been dry since Monday night now. Um, we had, we've had over two inches of rain in the last kind of week, um, but the forecast looks promising at this stage um, through to Champions Day, although, you know, we must be, must be aware that it's quite difficult this time of year because, you know, things can change very quickly, both forecasts and, um, you know, weather conditions. So um, we're reluctant to be overly confident about the forecast, but at the moment it does look promising. Uh, how, to what extent can the track really, really dry out at this time of year? How, how warm do you need it to be? Well, it doesn't really dry. I mean, if he's got a decent breeze and a bit of sunshine, then it, then it does dry. I mean, essentially, it's just going to soak through, really. We're going to get heavy dews next week. You know, we had, a, we, had a, we had quite a misty morning this morning, and a similar one is expected tomorrow, albeit the sun's going to break through, you know, and it'll actually be very warm for this time of year. You know, we're expecting sort of 20, maybe 21 degrees, which is, which is you know, quite a lot above, above what, you know, the normal average for this time of year would be. But it... Uh, you know, you'll get heavy dews, and that will hold moisture in the ground. And it, you know, it'll just be that the, the heavy rain that we had last week that, that that'll soak through. I don't see it drying hugely, um, but you know, if it, if, it, if the weather changed and it got windy, then, then there's a chance it, it, it might dry a bit more than it, than I anticipate. So, I mean, I know it's a long way up. Say, say it was dry from now until Champions Day. Would you still say that it would be on the easy side of good, or could it actually get to good ground? Well, I we've had one one year with good ground um, in all the years we've been running Champions Day I think it's quite unlikely I think the, the lo- most likely scenario would be that it would be on the easy side of good but it may only be good to soft you know I mean if we have a completely dry period there'd be a chance of being good ground for Champions Day I would say a chance of it um, but given sort of heavy dews uh, you know a bit of a misty mornings you know that moisture will hold in y- you know we, we, we get in generally at this time of year evapotranspiration um, over seven days is what we can get in a day, uh, you know, in June. So we, we can anticipate getting four minutes of evapotranspiration in June, generally in October, at this sort of second week in October. Um, moving to the third week, you know, you get four millimetres to five over a week. So that's how different the, 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 the kind of drying conditions are between between now and the middle of June. So, you know, don't anticipate it drying up hugely. <laughs> and if you've got one of those biblical storms like we got at last weekend suddenly at the last minute, you you are you can um, switch to the inner track more easily this time, can't you? Oh, yes, we can, yes. So, so the, the conditions are such that for the round course races, so, uh, you know, the champion stakes, uh, the long distance cup and, and, and the Phillies and Mayor stakes, those three races can be moved on to the uh, inner course. Uh, the inner flat course is essentially mainly where the hurdle course line is. They, that, that, that can be moved right up until 7 o'clock uh, on Saturday morning. Right, so you can make the decision late and you can make it... You, it doesn't have to be abandonment ground, does it, on the outer track? No, you're absolutely right. No, the, the, the conditions of the races have changed now so that if uh, heavy features in the going description, um, you know, so either soft, heavy in places or indeed heavy... 
um, then we can move on to that, uh, on, on, onto the inner course. I mean, the, the, and, and the, the, there's a condition there that also states that, that heavy ground needs to be kind of verified, not only by, you know, so, so I would make the call on heavy, and then that needs to be verified by, a, by an independent panel, which would consist of, you know, an inspector of courses, the chairman of Stuart and, and another and another clerk of the course. Chris Stickles there with some interesting thoughts about going protocols and the likely state of conditions at Ascot for Kipco British Champions Day, which is still nine days away. Much closer to hand is Dubai Future Champions Weekend. Tomorrow the feature is the Bet365 Phillies Mile and we could be crowning the champion two-year-old in the Dali Dewhurst Stakes Group 1 on Saturday. Uh, more of that with Dave in a moment. But tomorrow's feature, first of all, and against John Gosden's odds-on favourite Inspiral, is a horse that Rishi was giving a big shout to yesterday, Mise en Seine, who runs in the colours of Qatar Racing, is trained by James Ferguson, who I caught up with at Tattersall's a little earlier today. Yeah, very good. The sale's only just started uh, for, for this day, so, um, yeah, the... Um Horses being sold anyways, which is good. So the clearance rate looks good. There were some high prices yesterday. Um, how are you personally doing acquiring some new talent? Yeah, good. We've, um, I've been, uh, we, we bought two ourselves um, for existing clients. And I think we've been allocated one or two. So I uh, know we're doing well. Well, thank God. You know, obviously it's a very high profile sale. So if you come away with one, you've done well. So we've managed to come away with a few so far and we'll see how we get on today. I've I've always wondered, trainers have to spend so much time at the sales between sort of uh, early September and and the end of October. Uh, You must have to to, to rely an awful lot on your your team at home. Well, I'm very, you know, obviously being in Newmarket is a massive help. Because I've, um, you know, obviously we've, we've done all our looking around already. And, you know, I was in work this morning. You know, I saw three lots out this morning before I headed up. Mm. But yes, you know, I've got a great team. And, I've, you know, I always say how, how important that is. And, um, you know, um, leaving them, you know, I know that everything's going to be done as if I was there anyway. Um, but we've got, a, we've got a great team. So, um, no, I'm very lucky. It'll be a very happy team as well if you can add a couple of Group Ones by by the end of the year. That would be sensational. Big chance with mise en scène in the in the Phillies Mile tomorrow. She's obviously up against Inspiral, but how, how's she done since the Prestige at Goodwood? Very good. You know, it was always the plan after Goodwood to step up to a mile and, and aim for this race. Um, she's very straightforward to train. Uh, loves her work um, and has, has had a piece of work on the race course proper. Uh, with O'Sheen, so she knows the track. And um, look, we're, we're just we're really looking forward to it. I think the extra furlong will definitely help. Uh, there was a fir- form boost in the Rockfell uh, with um, you know the Ammo Racing Horse finishing behind her in the Prestige. So uh, you know we're we're going there full of confidence. Obviously, um, you know the one to beat is obviously John Gosden's in Spiral, and um, you know we we're going there with co- in plenty of confidence. And if we can go there and run a big race. You know, I'd like to, it'd be great to win for the owner. You know, Shakespeare has been a big supporter of the sport, and if we could go and put a Group One under under the on the on the belt, that would be wonderful. And you you've already had a, a a Group winner since we spoke after the Prestige, because um, El Bodegon won the Prix de Conde at, at Chantilly uh, the other day. What's the what's the plan for for, for him now? So. He's, he's come out of the race very, very well. He's very hardy. So, you know, the travelling to France doesn't bother him at all, um, which is a wonderful trait to have. Um, he's more than likely to go back out there again. Um, he appreciates uh, a bit of digging the ground, and I think he'll stay. 
So uh, the plan is to run him in the Grand Criterion de Saint-Cloud, which is um, over 10 furlongs. So it's a big step for a two-year-old. Um, but he's, you know, he's the full brother to Best Solution, who uh, ran very well in the race and obviously stayed stayed a lot further um, as he got older. So uh, no, it's exciting, you know, going for having having one runner in a group race as a as a young trainer is is you know makes us happy enough. But to, to have two runners and two good ones is special. And then of course the dream stays alive through the winter. Should they happen to run well, I mean, if you win a, a ten furlong Group One as a as a two year old, people are going to start talking about El Bodegon as a Derby horse, aren't they? Uh, if he was to go and win, then yes, I think you'd have to work back from something like the Derby, which would give the owners tremendous uh, pleasure, um, and of course it gives gives the whole yard a bit of excitement. But he, you know, we we're in a fortunate position where he's already won a Group Three, so we're excited about him, whatever the result is. Um, his brother obviously did very well at the older, you know, that he did almost did better the older he got. Um, so I'd like to see this horse, uh, you know, furnish well over the winter, and and um, you know, if if we could even be speaking about a derby you know that would be a wonderful thought james ferguson there with justifiably high hopes of two serious horses who've got big chances in group ones further down the track at saint Cloud for el bodegon but tomorrow for mise-en-scene in the bet 365 phillies mile at newmarket and then there's the dewhurst on saturday dave we could easily be crowning the champion two-year-old colt and that colt could easily be at charlie appleby's native trail another one it seems off the molten paddocks production line yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Native Trail will certainly start a, a, a strong favourite against seven rivals in the Dewhurst. Obviously, Charlie Appleby and Godolphin have had much success in the race in recent years. It, it's sponsored by Dali, and so that's what one would expect. Native Trail, of course, who lowered the colours of Point Lonsdale in very impressive fashion at the Curra last time on Irish Champions Weekend. As I say, he'll start a strong favourite here. It's a, it's a good field, but it would certainly be a, a, a disappointment were he not to remain unbeaten. He's, he's come a, a long way in a, a relatively short space of time, and he does look the standout horse here. Bayside Boy will certainly be interesting. Uh, and we've also got, I suppose, Go Bears Go would be um, uppermost in the betting behind him, but Native Trail will stand out. Well, Native Trail owned by Godolphin, who've had such a good season. And in the week when Godolphin's principal, Sheikh Mohammed, was visible for the first time in a long time in Newmarket at the sales, he's also visible all over the front pages of the papers as more details of his acrimonious divorce with Princess Hira of Jordan emerge involving phone hacking. Dave, there have been a number of such stories involved with this case. First of all, to what extent must horse racing be concerned about this? And secondly, what are the difficulties that it presents the the ruling bodies? Well, I think horse racing should certainly be concerned about it. There's no question about that. It's it's, it's an issue that I think the, the, the racing press are often criticised for their reluctance to deal with issues like this, in that uh, Sheikh Mohammed is obviously a very prominent figure in British racing. We've talked about... Uh, the arc in which he had uh, two very prominent runners in Hurricane Lane and a day are. And of course, we've talked about the Dewhurst Stakes in which Native Trail is a strong favourite. So it's something that we have to talk about. Um, the, the, the court found that Princess Hire's phone had been hacked. It's not only the racing media that uh, seem reluctant to get involved with this. The BHA have been uh, pretty quiet on it over the last couple of years. 
when issues like this or human rights issues uh, are reported in the press, this is a it's an elephant in the room and it's a difficult one for horse racing because they are such huge owners and employ such a large number of people. But of course it's a concern and it's, it's not a positive, let's put it that way, as to what racing can do about it, I think is the more difficult question. And in that sense, and I'm sorry to, I will pass the buck on this occasion because I think that the, the, the fit and proper person test uh, is is deemed applicable. It is pretty much up for the BHA. The reason that there is a reluctance to deal with it is that we know what the consequences would be if people like Sheikh Mohammed were to fail it. All right, jumping in the UK is getting uh, cranked up again. Sort of first major staging post of the season, Chepstow and other assorted meetings. Champion trainer Paul Nichols joins me now because he's got a whole raft of horses running over the next few days. Um, Paul, this is normally the sort of time when things get going. So always this weekend, Chepstow weekends, always what we see is the start of the you know the winter jump season. Last year we had, you know we had a good meeting. We had eight winners at Chepstow. Um, and over the years, it's always been a good starting point for us, really. So when it does crank up, as from now, yeah. So it's, it's about the same as normal. So how many runners will you have, say, over the next few days? Uh, well, I think we got five on Friday, um, 11 on Saturday, five today, and I think another five or six on, on Sunday, Newton Arbor. So plenty of runners, probably 20 over the weekend. And obviously the sort of really high-profile horse that you're, you're running over the next few days is, is Brave Man's Game. It was such a good novice hurdler last year. He goes to Newton Abbott uh, at, at the weekend. That's kind of an interesting place to start a horse like that. Well, it, it is, it's an intermediate chase. So it was for last year's novices and this year's novices. Um, he gets a lovely six-pound allowance because he hasn't uh, won a chase before the start of the season. And I've won it in the past for several novices. I think Black Corton and definitely Frodon. And, you know, the thing about Newton Abbott, it's good to soft, soft in places. So the ground's ideal. And it's a month away from the Rising Stars, which is his target at uh, Wincan. So you've got to start somewhere. So, it's, it, it, you know, it's... it's some people might have raised eyebrows about going to Newton Abbott, but it's a, you know why not? Plenty of good horses are won there. Yeah, and do you think we sometimes make a little bit too much of the size of horses and what sort of track they they might need or want? Well, look, he, he's two mile five. This time last year, he was running over two miles at Chepstow and next to him. He's not short of speed and. He worked really well this morning with a fairly sharp horse. He's not slow. And the thing is, everybody everybody wants to see these horses run more often. And um, it's, you know, if the ground's safe, he, as I said to the guys that own it, he just will have a gallop and run around Newton Abbott, jump some fences, and do it at home. And, you know, if he did happen to win, it's a nice prize. So, yeah, let's get him out and get him running. Uh, would, you, would, he, would he be the sort of horse this season, do you think, that's robust enough to take a few races? Well, yeah, but, you know, last year he started off with Chepstow, so it was the same weekend as he started last year. Um, yeah, he was just a big horse like that. You pick and choose your races, and if he goes, then that's a prep race here, goes to Wincant, and then we can decide what we do afterwards. But, you know, as I said, they've got to start someone. It's all experience for him. But, you know, he, he, he carried on all through the season last year, running in Cheltenham and Aintree, so it's not a problem with him, really. I suppose the other really sort of high-profile race you're running a horse in over the weekend is is the Persian War, the Grade Two at Chepstow, and you run a horse called yeah. um, Paso Doble there, who who looked like a very promising horse last year. Yeah, we love him. He, he you know, last year was a, all came a bit quick for him because we gelded him after we bought him and sort of left him to have a run around in the donors. He ran very nicely, and then we won within the first week of May, so it was a novice for this season. 
uh, I think two and a half miles will suit him well. He's a stay out on the flat and, and good ground suits him. So I hope he'll run well, but it is a quite a step up in class. But potentially for this season as a novice, he's a nice horse. Yeah, yeah, two in the Andy Stewart uh, race. The first race is good at Chepstoke and uh, put a race on in you know memory of Andy. Um, yeah, a lovely horse in there called Napa's Hill, who actually won at a meeting last year. He won three from three, won eight three. And if he jumps nicely, he should win, to be blunt, you know. Paul Nichols there. My thanks to Paul and also to my guests earlier in the programme, James Ferguson and Chris Stickles. Uh, David Yates has a tip to leave you with. I have. It's in the 3.15 race at Air. Big Les, trained by Julie Camacho, back to winning form at the track nine days ago. Really good record at Air. Two wins and a third from four visits. Has a penalty here and I hope we'll be able to follow up under his favoured conditions. The 3.15 race at Air. Number six, Big Les. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.